Let's continue this morning our study of 2 Samuel. First and 2 Samuel are about the fall of the false kingdom, the kingdom of Antichrist and the rise of Christ's kingdom. And now we're in the midst of a major revolt and assault on the kingdom of Christ, which is ruled by David at this time. And his son Absalom has come in revolt to seize that kingdom from him and to reign in Jerusalem. So David and his people, his followers, are leaving Jerusalem. They're leaving Israel. And in chapter 16, first Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, comes and lies and says, Oh, Mephibosheth is excited today that the kingdom is coming back to Saul. And, uh, and then he faces Shimei throwing stones and pelting him with dirt and shouting curses at him. And David says, let him curse me, for God has told him to. He knows that God would have him travel through this valley and put his life in the hands of the Lord to restore him. So the story continues in verse 15. The scripture reading is a little bit long, but it really hangs together as one story. And so I would like to to read through 17 verse 23. 2 Samuel 16, verse 15, you see there on page 315, to chapter 17, verse 23. Now Absalom, verse 15, and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel with him. And when Hushai the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, Hushai said to Absalom, long live the king, long live the king. And Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, no, for whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel have chosen, his I will be, and with him I will remain. And again, whom should I serve? Should it not be his son? As I've served your father, so I will serve you. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, give your counsel, what shall we do? Ahithophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines whom he has left to keep the house and all Israel will hear that you have made yourself a stench to your father and the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now in those days, the counsel that Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God, so was all the counsel of Ahithophel esteemed, both by David and by Absalom. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he's weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic and all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike, him, strike down only the king And I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes home to her husband. You seek the life of only one man, and all the people will be at peace. And the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Then Absalom said, call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he has has to say. And when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom said to him, thus has Ahithophel spoken, Shall we do as he says? If not, you speak. Then Hushai said to Absalom, This time the counsel that Ahithophel has given is not good. 
Hushai said, you know that your father and his men are mighty men and that they're enraged like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. Besides, your father is expert in war. He will not spend the night with the people. Behold, even now he has hidden himself in one of the pits or in some other place. And as soon as some of the people fall at the first attack, whoever hears it will say, there's been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. Then even the valiant man whose heart is like the heart of a lion will utterly melt with fear. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man and that those who are with him are valiant men. But my counsel is that all Israel be gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba as the sand by the sea for multitude and that you may go to battle in person. So we shall come upon him in some place where he's to be found and we shall light upon him as the dew falls on the ground and of him and all the men with him, not one will be left. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city and we shall drag it into the valley until not even a pebble is to be found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai the Archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, thus and so did Ahithophel counsel Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so have I counsel. Now, therefore, send quickly and tell David, do not stay tonight at the fords of the wilderness, but by all means pass over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz were waiting at Enrogel. A female servant was to go and tell them, and they were to go and tell King David, for they were not to be seen entering the city. But a young man saw them and told Absalom. So both of them went away quickly and came to the house of a man at Bahurim, who had a well in his courtyard. And they went down into it, and the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and scattered grain on it, and nothing was known of it. When Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, They've gone over to the brook of water. Oh, gone over the brook of water. And when they had sought and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. And after they had gone, the men came up out of the well and went and told King David. They said to David, Arise and go quickly over the water, for thus and so has Ahithophel counseled against you. Then David arose and all the people who were with him, and they crossed the Jordan. By daybreak, not one was left who had not crossed the Jordan. When Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey, went off to his own city, set his house in order, and hanged himself. And he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. This is God's word. For our good and his glory, may he bless us by it. People of God, I encourage you to keep your Bibles open this morning. Maybe you've closed it already. Perhaps you could pick that up again and open it. And I want you to see really what is the, the linchpin or the, the key to this whole passage. Chapter 17, verse 14b. Chapter 17, verse 14b. Perhaps you picked up on that as we read through it. For the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel, so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. How good to see 
the Lord's mighty hand working in the background when evil seems to be prevailing. Here we have God's undercover operation against the Antichrist. And even while Absalom seems to be gaining ground and winning, the seeds of his demise have been planted. Now, I'd like you to go back to a few verses in chapter 15 to give us context. Go back to a few verses in chapter 15, 2 Samuel 15, and let's read together 31 through 36. 31 through 36. So Absalom has entered the city and David is leaving. And it was told David, verse 31, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. His trusted advisor, his senior advisor, defected from David and joined this side of the Antichrist. And David said, oh Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. You see David's prayer being answered even while David is in the valley of weeping. God's answering his prayer. And while David was coming to, to the summit where God was worshipped, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat torn and dirt on his head. And David said to him, if you go with me, on with me, you'll be a burden to me. But if you return to the city, you return to Jerusalem, and you say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I've been your father's servant in time past. So now I'll be your servant. Then you will defeat for me the counsel of Ahithophel. Are not Zadok and Abiathar the priests with you there? So whatever you hear from the king's house, tell it to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Behold, their two sons are with them there, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son, and by them you shall send to me everything you hear. And all these things now bear fruit in chapter 16 and 17. David in faith, prays to the Lord, take down Absalom through Ahithophel's foolish advice or the rejection of his good advice. And he sends Hushai back to be a mole on the other side. And he sends Zadok back, back with Abiathar and his sons Jonathan and Ahimaaz to be informants. And he plants the seeds of the devise of demise of the revolt, Absalom, and then weeps and waits for God to bless those seeds, to hear his prayer. And he does. And he does. And the thing that we have to remember, people of God, as those who belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and even while there's great hardship, and affliction, and like David, weeping and waiting on the Lord, in ways that we can't see, God is undermining the side of the Antichrist and one day will bring it to crashing defeat, crushing defeat. Well, first we see that in Ahithophel's foolishness. That's the first thing we see, Ahithophel the fool. Oh, Lord, David, pray, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And he did. God heard that prayer. And with that prayer, David exits stage left with his men, with his people, his family. 
And they head out toward the Jordan River. Remember crossing the Brook Kidron, going through the Garden of Gethsemane, weeping over the Mount of Olives, and then heading east toward the Jordan River. Meanwhile, and that's a big word. Meanwhile, there's all kinds of stuff happening here in Jerusalem, and that's where this passage is. What's happening in Jerusalem? Well, we have Ahithophel and Absalom coming into the city. Then we have Hushai coming. And we have all the counsel that is given. And Absalom's choice. All these things could be found in a spy novel, but they're real. So Absalom has captured the capital city, Jerusalem. And Ahithophel, David's trusted senior advisor, has joined the revolt with him. Now, what do we know about Ahithophel, the Gilonite? We know he's a very smart man. He's a brilliant strategist. He's an excellent military advisor. And when David heard that Ahithophel had defected and joined the revolt, he knew it was game over for David unless the Lord intervened. And that's why he prayed, Lord, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. So Absalom calls in his new advisor, Ahithophel. Tell me what I should do now. And Ahithophel advises two things. First, in the sight of all Israel, take David's 10 concubines that he left with the palace to take care of the palace and lie with them all in public. Wicked. Wicked advice and wicked action. And Absalom does this. Why? So that David will become an utter stench to you and you will become an utter stench to him. And people will know the bridge is broken. It's been burned. There's no way for David to come back. So it will consolidate Absalom's power to do this. And then second piece of advice. Don't go after David's whole team. Don't make this a blitzkrieg. Get a small army of 12,000 and go after David, just one man. Try to spare everybody else because he's the head. Go after him right away while he's weak and weary and get him, shoot him, kill him. And then all his people will come back and they'll join your side and you will have the power and the glory. A quick, humane, and effective strategy. Good advice. Even the Bible calls it good counsel. For the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel. Remember 17 verse 14. And in God's good plan, the good advice failed. God's good plan. But here's what's so incredibly sad about Ahithophel. Here is good talent wasted on an evil kingdom. Here's a gifted life thrown away to the Antichrist. Isn't that terribly sad? He 
here's a good man, throw down the drain, an evil imposter. And for some reason, Ahithophel has a burr in the saddle against David. And he allows a fit of disappointment and a personal vendetta to get the better of him. This, this man after God's own heart who has some major failures. And he's sick of him. And he joins the side of the Antichrist. That is, the one who's against the throne of Jesus Christ. For David is sitting on Christ's throne. David has promised, or God has promised David, right? This is the throne that will last forever. And one day you'll have a son that will sit on it forever. You don't leave that side just because of disappointment with some of the servants of Jesus Christ. But that's what Ahithophel does. And that's what makes him the fool. Smart guy, intelligent, but can't see the truth. And in the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, that's who the fool is. Intelligent people who reject God. Smart people who reject Christ. And they throw their lives away to do sin, to fight Christ, to fight his church. And that can happen to those outside the church, but sadly, you see Ahithophel, it can happen to those inside the church that they get a burr under the saddle and they start to go to war against Christ and his church and against his servants. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible waste. There's nobody so detestable in the Bible as Ahithophel and Judas. Ahithophel really is the Judas of the Old Testament, the Judas Iscariot, who defects from his master Jesus Christ to betray him and join the side of the enemies and then kills himself. But here's a question from my life and yours, people of God. Are you using the wisdom, the knowledge, the skills, the talents that God has given you? How are you using them? Are you investing in Christ's kingdom? Are you giving your life to the furtherance of the gospel, to exalting the name of Jesus Christ, to showing his influence at your home and in your workplace? Are you investing them in the other side? and throwing your life away and wasting your gifts on evil. Like Ahithophel, you can be in the church and do that. Well, that's a terrible waste of life. But there's something even worse. Something even sadder here about Ahithophel. That when he sees his advice has not been followed, and that Hushai's advice is being followed, he knows the gig is up. He knows it's over. He knows this can't work. He knows this whole thing is going to fail. And rather than repent and come to David and say, David, I sinned against you. I didn't see things clearly. Take me back as your servant. Forgive me. And come to God and say, forgive me. Take me back. Like Judas, he goes and kills himself. He's too pride are too proud to take the way of repentance and faith. Brother, sister, if you feel like you've been wasting your life and you conclude there's no way God would have you back, you're wrong. You know David 
You know David as a gracious and kind leader, and he would have had Ahithophel back. Far more gracious and kind is our Lord Jesus Christ, who will have you back without a doubt if you repent of your sin, wasting your gifts on evil, and commit your life to him to offer your gifts to the service of the Christ and his kingdom. Well, secondly, we meet Hushai the mole. In spy novels and in warfare, moles are double agents who are embedded on the enemy side to subvert it, to sabotage the enemy's efforts. And that's Hushai, David's plant, David's friend, David's plant, David's mole, the mole of the kingdom of Christ, embedded in the side of Absalom, the Antichrist, to undo that side. Now, you, we read that. He first wanted to join David and, and, and his men in leaving Israel. And David says, no, you'll be a burden to me if you go with me. You can do a lot more for the kingdom of Christ if you stay back. And if you defeat the council of Ahithophel. So there's Hushai. Coming to Absalom in Jerusalem, shouting, long live the king, long live the king. Oh, we're troubled by all the lies. And we're troubled by the, the strategies of Hushai. But this is God's undercover agent. This is the Lord being determined to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel. We got to remember that. And then when Absalom questions his loyalty to his friend, to David, Hushai says, I follow whoever's the king who's ever on the throne, right? I served my father, your father loyally, I'll serve you loyally. But I think what's most surprising in this reading is after getting Ahithophel's good counsel, and agreeing with it, if you look at 17 verse 4, it seemed right in the eyes of Absalom and all the elders of Israel that rather than being satisfied with that good advice, suddenly Absalom decides, I should get a second opinion. And that's what's from the Lord, says 17 verse 14, that he wants a second opinion. And Hushai's advice is this. Don't go after one man to take him out because you know that one man is very strong and ferocious. He's a military genius. And if you take your 12,000 men and go after one man, he'll be in hiding somewhere and he'll start picking your guys off and your guys will get demoralized and they'll start fleeing and then that will be very, very shameful. No, no, I wouldn't risk that. Take your time, Absalom. Gather together an army from Dan to Beersheba. That's from the north to the south. The whole country of Israel. A massive army. And go after everybody. Don't do the rifle, the single shot. But do the shotgun, the wide shot. And then if David hides in a city with his men, go take ropes and tie it around the walls of the city and drag the whole thing into the valley till not a stone is left. Like this is exaggeration, but boy, this feeds Absalom's pride. 
This feeds his vanity. And he begins to dream, you can imagine. Oh, and he says, David, you go on, take the lead. Be the tough guy. And he begins to dream, you can imagine. Here am I in this golden chariot holding this sword high above my head, leading a vast army and going after the whole thing and taking them all down. Ooh, I like that. I like that. And you see his vanity, which put him on the throne, is is what's going to take him down. It's pride and vanity against God can give you success for a while and you can shine for a moment, but not for long. God will undo you. He will take you down in his good time. Pride goeth before the fall. Verse 14, and Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel so that the Lord might bring down or bring harm upon Absalom. And right at this point, the whole narrative that's going to take us all the way through chapter 20, the whole narrative of the revolt begins to turn around. Right at this point. And something for us to remember. How does it look to David right now? Where is he? He's deep in the valley of suffering. He's deep in the place of mourning and weeping and waiting on the Lord. He has become, as it were, a nobody. A failure. And he's put his life in the hands of the Lord, says, I will lead or I will follow where you lead me. He's entrusted his life to the Lord. But little can he see and little does he know that on the other side, on, across enemy lines, the Lord is undoing the Antichrist. Victory has been sown. David is winning even when he doesn't feel it or know it. God is the ruler yet. It's amazing for us to think of in the kingdom of Christ. We can be in such affliction, in such pain. And it seems like we're down for the count. But little do we know and little can we see that victory is on the way. Because the kingdom is in the hands of God. He's made a promise to David. Your throne, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, David. And one day your son will sit on it forever. And he'll bring peace to the nations. It's going to happen. And no matter how strong and intelligent and brash and successful the enemy appears to be, God is the brains, the wisdom, and the power 
of every operation. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Whatever man may do, God will rule. No weapon, no intelligence can seed against the Christ. Whatever or whenever pain and suffering or whatever pain and suffering we may face, God is there working quietly behind the scenes. And even when things appear to be at their worst, God is working out his salvation, people of God, working for our good, even when everything feels bad. We say, Lord, why did I ever doubt you? Why did I think all was lost? When you said you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why did I despair when you said you would hear my prayer? David has offered his life, his kingdom, kingdom of Christ to the Lord in prayer. And God is doing his work. And we see that thirdly in Zadok the informant. We read with amusement then just how many things fell into place for David's protection and his pathway to restoration. Hushai tells Zadok and Abiathar the priests, you got to get the message to David ASAP. He's got to get out. So I don't know whether he's going to follow Ahithophel's advice or my advice. Hushai's not privy to that. But whatever advice it is, he's got to get out. He's got to cross the Jordan. He's got to hide in the forest on the east side of the Jordan River. So Zadok and Abiathar send their sons Jonathan and Ahimaaz as informants to David. But they're in Enrogale, so how are we going to get the message? They send a servant girl. She tells the details to the sons, Jonathan and Ahimaaz. They start to run. A young man sees them. They go to a farmhouse and they hide in a well. The woman of the farm, she puts a cover, a lid on it, and puts grain on top of it so it looks more like a granary. Then Absalom's men come and check on the farm. Hey, I heard the guys were here. No, they crossed the brook. They run. They can't find them. They go back to Jerusalem. Jonathan and Ahimaaz then take off, and they tell David all these things. Funny details, amusing details, real details, and it works. It works. God is there. God is blessing it. Quite a cast of characters here. Some seeking Christ's kingdom, others opposing it. But in the end, it's in the hands of our God who uses each one for his own glorious purposes so that Christ's kingdom is advanced and the kingdom of Antichrist is destroyed. There's good news here for us. Good news for us here, people of God. We have a subversive God. Now, that's a bad word, subversive. Subversive means that you cross the enemy lines and you try to undo the other side. That's our God. We have a subversive God who crosses enemy lines to sow seeds of destruction so that even when it looks like they're at their best, they're nothing but pouches of pride ready to pop. God has sown the seeds of destruction on the enemy side. He did that in David's time. He did that with Hushai. He did that with Zadok 
Abiathar, Jonathan, Ahimaaz. He did it through Ahithophel as well and Absalom himself. And he's done that in a far greater way today. Do you know how God is undoing the other side today? He's planted the seed of the destruction of the kingdom of darkness in this world. It's Christ crucified and risen from the dead. The power of the gospel. And that power is living on the other side of enemy lines. And is very quietly and sometimes more noisily undoing the kingdom of Antichrist. And we, walking through the valley of suffering, the persecuted, the afflicted, the minority, we may know that our cause is God's cause when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and we will win the battle. He will win the battle. We have a very smart God, a very good God, a very wise and loving God who will never let his promises be overcome by the evil one or by any antichrist. Never, ever. Just one brief example. A few weeks ago, I made reference to Taiwan and a missionary couple there and how, how small Christianity is in Taiwan. It happened in 1949 when Chairman Mao and the Communist Party took over China. The nationals fled the country and settled in Taiwan and there they continued in their traditional ancestor worship and religious ways. Meanwhile, back in China, Chairman Mao raised religion to the ground. He shut it all down. We're getting rid of all religion. This is going to be an atheist country. All traditional ancestor worship, traditional ways were attempted to be rooted out. What's the result? The result today is that while Taiwan is very hard ground to plow for the gospel... China is much more successful because those traditional ways have been put aside. And I know it takes a miracle for anyone to be converted, but God was clearing the ground for the spread of the gospel even when Chairman Mao thought that he was gaining power for the kingdom of the Antichrist. Aren't the ways of God amazing? That's the way he works. That's the way he works on our side. The sovereignty of God is not meant to be a philosophical problem, but unspeakable comfort. Ahithophel and Absalom will rot and perish in the junkyards of history, while the saints will make it through the valley and reach glory, because behind the scenes, God is doing undercover work to give triumph to Christ and to overthrow all his enemies. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we gladly and thankfully commit our lives and our troubles to your excellent care, knowing 
that you will undo our troubles, you will undo all our enemies, and you will bring us, your people, to victory through Christ who has won the victory for us. Help us then, Lord, confidently to follow you, to know and trust that those who go with Jesus Christ cannot fail. You are the victor. You are the champion. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.